So, uh, Rochelle, what is what is your role with um, Unstoppable? So my role is I'm the senior partnership manager with Unstoppable. So what this means is I get the lovely opportunity to connect with individuals, families, entrepreneurs, um, you know, people that want to make a difference. They have some very specific philanthropic goals. So they're maybe inspired by empowering girls or providing access to education mm-hmm. or access to clean water or, or food security or income training for um, people who are facing abject poverty or healthcare, right? And then being able to discover right. what is it that inspires them. Welcome. I'm Dawn Mathis, and this is To Your Greatness. Every day you give so much of yourself to those you love. Through this podcast, I'll guide you on a journey to reawaken the greatness that lies within you. In each episode, you'll hear incredible stories of transformation from me and my guests that will inspire you to design and manifest a life that is in harmony with your soul's purpose. You are meant to live the life you'd love. Let me show you how. Hi, everyone. This is To Your Greatness with Dawn Mathis. Thanks for listening in today. We have an awesome podcast for you today, and I'm so glad that you're listening in. We call, we're calling it uh, Doing Great by Doing Good. So you and I will explore an elegantly designed nonprofit and how giving to such an organization can positively impact not just those who are blessed by your giving, but you, you and I will learn about the Unstoppable Foundation, a humanitarian organization that provides education and life-saving services to communities in developing countries. We will learn about how you and I can be impacted as well. And according to this organization, the Unstoppable Foundation, education and its reach to all the world's population is the single most important key to solving health crises, poverty, and creating lasting sustainability. So I have with me, I am, I have the pleasure and the honor of having Rochelle Fender from the Unstoppable Foundation with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Don. I'm, it's just a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. <sighs> And I'm going to read this bio because I don't want to miss a single darn thing. There, she is just a phenomenal woman. So here it goes. So bear with me while I read this. Rochelle is an expert in business development and relational capital and has helped hundreds of individuals and organizations identify, develop, and execute successful business models and programs. And she's done this for almost 20 years. She has worked with world-class organizations, including the Canfield Training Group. Uh, Jack Canfield is the man who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. Franklin Covey, Proctor Gallagher Institute, Centerpoint Research Institute, and West Group. As a strategic partnership manager for the Unstoppable Foundation, Rochelle works closely with supporters to identify opportunities for them to express their values through giving. A thought-provoking speaker, 
Rochelle shares insights, research, and real-world examples on how the act of giving can deliver dividends for individuals and organizations. Welcome to the podcast, Rochelle. Thank you very much, and thank you for that kind and generous introduction. I think at the end of the day, what all of those organizations have in common, I would say including you, is they're all about heart. Um, they all are about heart and soul. And so that's mm. what's uh, led me down that path. Great, great. Well, I have some questions here for you to at least to keep myself on track. You, you're probably... Uh, a little bit more on track than I am, but uh, there were just so many questions I had. Um, the first one is, I would love to know why you decided to get involved with the Unstoppable Foundation. Yes, thank you for that question. And, you know, for me, my family uh, for a period of time fell in very hard times, and my family was homeless. And we actually had to eat out of garbage cans and behind stores in order to survive. And we lived in tents and um, I wasn't able to go to school. We didn't have an address. We lived up in the mountains. And, you know, I had young parents at the time. And this is back in the late 70s. And it, we didn't have Google. <laughs> um, there wasn't oh, yeah. a lot of necessarily resources that were available or that my young parents who had six kids, knew how to find at the time. I mean, eventually we were able to, you know, find support and help, although not perfect. And even to this day, infrastructure in our country is not perfect. Um, we were able to slowly put our lives back together um, and move forward. And I think that, you know, when we look at abject poverty, and a lot of times I have this conversation with people, they're like, well, why are we caring about developing countries? You know, we have people here in need. Mm. Absolutely. And I was one of them. But the difference is for what I do now and why I'm inspired for what I do now is that when a young girl wakes up in Kenya, no matter how motivated she is, no matter how big her dream is, there's nowhere to go. There's no one to ask for help. There's no infrastructure for her to turn her life around like I was able to turn mine around to be talking with you here today. You wouldn't know that about me just looking at me. Most people don't. And it's not mm. something I would share typically openly, but recently I felt that it was important to share so that people can understand the, the difference between what abject poverty looks like in a first world country versus a developing country. Wow, I had no idea. Well, that that makes perfect sense because um, we do we do have resources. They may not uh, be easily accessible um, equally by everyone that suffers from um, poverty. But uh, you're right. I mean, in in Kenya, at least from what you've told me and what I've heard Cynthia talk about, is there there's nothing there there's nothing there. I mean, this organization is their hope. That's right. That's right. I mean, I was even, you know, my family was able to find food um, in, in Kenya. You know, a lot of times they eat something called ugali, which is corn with water, like a mashed kind of cornmeal with water. So mm. what it does is it fills your belly, but it doesn't give you any nutrition. So they call that dark hunger, right? So that's, you know, Oof, that's kind of the yeah. difference, even just from a food side. Right, right. 
Well, can you take us through the history of Unstoppable? Yes, uh, my pleasure. You know, Unstoppable started by an amazing woman, Cynthia Kersey. She wrote the book Unstoppable and Unstoppable Women. She's always had a career in somehow supporting or empowering women. And um, one year she was invited to a rural women's African conference. And I don't know if any of you have had this experience where you're invited to something and you just kind of get that prompting or that whisper, like, I should go, but you're not even sure hmm. why you should go, but you just feel like you should be there. And uh, Cynthia had that experience. Some, a group of women from North America were going to this Rural Women's African Conference. She'd never been there. She'd never thought about Africa, but just something inside her said, that whisper, you should go. So she rearranged her schedule. She flew to uh, Africa with other women from North America, and she was at this conference. And during this conference, uh, she started learning from other women in, who had traveled days on foot to start to share their stories. Now, they weren't there to complain. They were there to ask women from North America how to solve their everyday challenges that they were facing and to really get solutions. So many of them had walked for days to be there by foot, leaving their villages, which is very vulnerable for the women to leave uh, their villages, but they yeah. wanted these answers. So while Cynthia was there, she started learning, you know, women would say, how do we preserve our fruits and veggies, right? Because they don't have refrigeration. So in times of drought that they would have food, or women would say, how can we get access to medication? You know, medication like anti-malaria medication can cost less than a cup of coffee. And some of the women's um, children wow. had perished because they didn't have access to like a $3 medication. Um, but the number one question the women were asking is, how do we get our children access to education? Because they knew without it, it's just going to perpetuate the cycle of poverty and especially their little girls. So, you know, Cynthia was just like a lot of the women that are probably listening today, right? I'm one woman. I maybe have one business or a profession. What could I possibly do? Right. And Cynthia was going mm. through that. You know, there's right. people probably smarter than me. Big government organizations that are probably working on this problem have been for years. What could I possibly do? Right. I think a lot of us ask ourselves that, like, what can I possibly do? I'm just one person. Right. So yes. Cynthia was flying home. It's a very long flight home. And uh, <laughs> she was actually at the time heading towards turning 50. And she was not inspired about turning 50. She she will admit this herself. But on the plane, as she was going home, she thought, I have to do something. And so she thought, you know what, I will turn my 50th birthday party into something that would actually inspire me. And that's do something for others and give the gift of education to some of these women's children. And so that's what she decided to do. So she invited me, 100 other friends. This is 12 years ago now, Dawn. I was at that birthday party. Um, and wow. that night she asked us for money to come to the birthday party. She asked us for more money. And she raised over $82,000 that not only built a few schoolhouses, but provided life, you know, sustaining services. And that started, that moment is what planted the seed for Unstoppable to happen. She said, wow, if I took one night out of my life, right, 
I made this big of a difference. What could I do if I focused the rest of my life on this? And so that was the beginning of Unstoppable 12 years, 12 and a half years ago now. That's amazing. That that's amazing. Well, you can tell her she doesn't look 62 because I saw her at, uh, I believe, the last uh, uh, Dream Builder Live right before COVID. She was she was at a at a Mary Mary Morrissey's event with the Brave Thinking Institute. And that's where I met her. And yeah, she doesn't look 62. She really is. And I I think it's her spirit. Well, (laughs) well, yeah. And when you have that spirit, you are ageless. So um, so. So, uh, Rochelle, what is what is your role with um, Unstoppable? So my role is I'm the senior partnership manager with Unstoppable. So what this means is I get the lovely opportunity to connect with individuals, families, entrepreneurs, um, you know, people that want to make a difference. They have some very specific philanthropic goals. So they're maybe inspired by empowering girls or providing access to education mm-hmm. or access to clean water or, or food security or income training for um, people who are facing abject poverty or health care, right? And then being able to discover right. what is it that inspires them within their giving goals and how can I align them with the programming that we have available for them to fulfill those goals, Um, And then in some cases, I'm even hosting people uh, on the ground to meet the people whose work, uh, whose donations they've, you know, provided over the years and who've impacted individuals' lives. Wow. 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 That's amazing to actually get to somehow meet those people whose lives um, you are impacting directly. Um, That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, that's one of the that's one of the um, things that I loved about about Unstoppable, and I think that's one of the first things that I told you when when I actually got to talk to you, when I actually reached back out to you after all the times you reached out to me to thank me, um, was that um, you know I'm a heart centered person too, and 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 I and I want to give and your organization what it does differently than most organizations that that ask for money is is you talk about what my impact how how my money my donations impact people and and uh it it it's very it's very uplifting it's very empowering and it just makes me want to do more thank you for saying that yeah instead of absolutely instead of the same sad stories the same heart-wrenching pictures on the front of envelopes and I'm like, well, I keep giving to this organization and, and I keep seeing these suffering people or these suffering animals. I don't see how I'm helping. And um, that's the, that's one of the first things that I noticed about, about Unstoppable is that, yes, the need is still there and there's a lot of work to do. And listen up, people. You can donate too. Um, but but you celebrate the small victories. And that's so important. Yes. To me, it is anyway. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And I appreciate you noticing that sensitivity, Don, because 
that's what inspires me to continue this work. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, even Cynthia is that, yes, there's great need, there's suffering, there's all Mm -hmm. sorts of things. But the goal is, and it's working, is that we are helping to empower this generation to be able to help the one behind them. Mm. And so that way, you know, it's oftentimes you can experience giving to where it's like there's no end. But there is an end with a holistic model that can create a sustainable outcome and that empowers the people you're actually supporting. And that's the distinction. They're empowered to be able to have the resources, the tools, the infrastructure of what they need Mm -hmm. to be able to be self-reliant. And that's what inspires me the most. When I can walk away and see that people are self-reliant and they don't need me or Cynthia or anyone on my team anymore. We work ourselves out of a job. That's our goal every time we come into a community. That's, that's, that's just amazing to me. So, um, and you touched on what I'm remembering are the five pillars. You were talking about the different ways that it starts with education, but do you mind touching on those five pillars um, just briefly about your model? Yes, absolutely. Um, when we first started out, you know, we we did research and we learned that one of the beginning ways, the best ways to allevi- alleviate abject poverty is provi- providing access to an education. Mm. That's what we learned. But the the real experience on the ground of that is different. And so we had to learn over time how to create a holistic model that actually not only helped kids walk through the door of school, but stay there. Mm-hmm. So here's what we learned that created our holistic model. We, w- we would build and equip the schoolhouse, but when we go back and check, the girls were not in school. And that's because they were um, needing to haul water six to eight hours a day, and they didn't oh. have time for school. Right. And this is also water that was making them sick. So we said, okay, we need to provide clean water. So we started providing access to clean water with boreholes or water catchment systems with purification systems. And then we went back. The girls still weren't in school. Okay, now why? Well, they're too hungry. Their Mm -hmm. their bellies aren't full, right? So then we started planning, um, you know, organic gardens uh, so there'd be more access to nutritious food. We would go back. The kids still aren't in school. They're too sick. Right. They needed access to health care. So then we started providing mobile health care, you know, helping to deworm the kids, which is something that's common in that area so they could feel good. And then we'd go back and the parents were keeping them home from school. Why? They needed them to help them earn an income in order for the entire family to survive. So we said, okay, let's provide income training and opportunities for parents to understand about money and savings and leverage and and how to sell their goods and services, right, in order to make an income Mm -hmm. so that the kids can go to school. So once we provided the school, clean water, health care, the sustainable food sources and income training for the parents, now the kids were able to go to school and stay in school. And that is what birthed our model of the holistic five pillars. Wow. So uh, uh, a transformation of of sorts of you paying attention and gaining an awareness and realizing that more needed to be done um and and these villages they're transforming absolutely they're not only transforming they're coming off of our assistance and that that is the empowerment and self-reliance piece so i love it you know absolutely 
I love it. So, so tell me how this work has maybe transformed you and um, Cynthia and and um, and some of the uh, organizations and business people and entrepreneurs who um, are working with you. So I would say that the way that it's transformed me on a personal level is just really being able to work with people that although from the outside, you may look at this person and think that, you know, or this community, that they don't have anything comparably to what we have here. Mm -hmm. And yet what they do have is a lot of joy, a lot Mm -hmm. of love, a lot of community, a lot of connection, and a lot of interdependence amongst each other, which is really, really beautiful. And there's so much resilience, Mm. especially Mm. the woman the mamas have on the ground. So the way it's transformed me is that when I'm maybe not feeling confident or resilient or strong enough, I think about the mamas who are hauling Mm. water or wood for eight to 10 hours a day. And I think a lot of your listeners can maybe relate to that. I know that a lot of them are caregivers. They're giving a lot. And sometimes you can think, I just don't have one more thing to give. And sometimes when you think about someone else's life, right, six to eight hours a day hauling water that's dirty, like the color brown, that's making you sick. And in your bare feet on sharp rocks, we're not doing that. You know, we have Amazon coming to our door. Yes, we we do. Right. We have DoorDash (laughs) coming to our... 24-7. We have infrastructure... (laughs) To have assistants that are in the gig economy for us now, even though Mm. we have a lot. And so I like to reflect on the women on the ground when I'm feeling overwhelmed or like I don't have enough to give or I can't give any more energetically to Mm. people. And just take a moment and realize I have more. I have more. Yeah. Wow. Uh, One of the things uh, when I saw some of the videos, um, uh, what impressed me so much was the beautiful radiant smiles and um, and that they would say thank you in their language. Do you do you know I'm putting you on the spot. Do you know how to say thank you in 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 their language? What is it Kenyan or is it African? I'm sorry. I'm a little. And um, Kiswali, I wasn't even close. Yeah, no, that's okay. And the way that you say <laughs> thank you is asenta sante. Asenta sante. Yeah, asenta sante. Sorry about that. Um, so Asinta-sante. I haven't been on the ground for a year and a half, which is not typical. So I, I'm forgetting <laughs> all of these things. But the most, the, one of the most joyous things that you hear on the ground is the way they say hello, which is jumbo jumbo. That's how you say hello, oh. and they usually Jumbo wave both Jumbo. hands, which means they're really excited to see you like this. Oh, uh, oh that's awesome! And so, anyway, that's say the, it one more time: Asente, Asente Sana, Asente Sana. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Thank you. It's such a beautiful word, and so is the the other one. How they say hi? Jumbo, yes. Jumbo, Jumbo. Well, um, gosh, man, I, I could talk to you uh, for another two hours. This is so interesting, but um, we have to we have to wrap up. But um, so let me combine a couple of the questions. Um, um, and I, I really want to talk about this because um, I think this is important. How long does it take a village to become sustainable and what is the cost? Yes, thank you for that. 
Um, on average, it depends on the village because some are more resourceful in certain ways that others aren't. So that's actually one of the mm-hmm. ways in which we take them off our list. We look at what are they doing that's already great or working and how we help them do more of that. But on average, it can be anywhere from, um, you know, five to 10 years to be completely self-reliant. But it's three to five years to put in the five pillars, although that can be accelerated at times, depending on what are the strengths of that community, which is something we do our due diligence on when we take them off the, the mm-hmm. waiting list. Um, as far as the cost in order for uh, a community um, of approximately 70 children and their families to get access to those five pillars that we discussed, it's 25000 U.S. dollars. So a lot of people end up either raising that amount or, you know, getting five friends to give $5,000 or they have a community Mm -hmm. to contribute or they do a Facebook fundraiser. Um, And then some have that kind of money that they do it. But nonetheless, once somebody gives $25,000, that gives them an invitation to come and see the work on the ground. That's that's amazing. And and that um, that is roughly five years that that 25,000 is the five pillars for approximately the five years time that it takes to get a a village sustainable. Yeah, no. So the 25,000 is uh, supporting 70 children and their families to get access to the five pillars for a year. So what happens is when we come into a community, let's say there's around 2000 people, we're we're breaking those down into sponsor of village packages. So we may have, um, you know, 40 people giving 25,000 in order to help that entire community have full access to the five pillars. So that can that can vary depending on how quickly we can get those families um, access to the five pillars. Got you. Okay. well, uh, still, I mean, when you look at 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 how. Poverty is perpetuated in our own country. These these are programs that the whole focus is to get them what they need to become sustainable, and and so we're we're all in it together to get to that end. Yes. Yes. Would you say? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing, amazing. So that's a drop in the bucket, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so how so. How do we find out more about your your giving and donation? And then I am particularly interested and intrigued with your uh, giving program that you teach. Yes, thank you for that. I don't know if we'll have a lot of time to get into that tonight. But um, as far as how people inquire about what it is that we do, um, they can reach out to me, you know, Rochelle uh, at UnstoppableFoundation.org. They can um, give me a call. Uh, go to our website, you know, to inquire more. Um, and, you know, if anyone's interested just to have an exploratory conversation of what it would look like, I mean, just, just to help one child is $31 a month. So I, I, I feel like oh, almost nothing. anybody can do that and at least help a child at a minimum. Um, as far as the program and teaching people how to do well um, by doing good in the world, um, that consists of really having each and every person look at how can you use your voice, right? Just like you're doing today, Don, you're using your voice to help give us a voice, um, to help give a voice to those I serve on the other side of the world. That's generosity in action, right? That's a way of giving even beyond resources. 
um, how can you use your platform, right? You're using your platform today to give us a voice. So other people, you might have a large platform. Maybe you could interview. Maybe you could have me speak. Maybe you could use your platform to have other people feel what it feels like to be a philanthropist and give collectively together at an event. We have a lot of supporters do that. How can you use your products and services? Not only does it add more inspiration, right, for those purchasing your products and services, but it also adds a lot more depth to your brand, right? So the difference would be, you know, if I'm going to buy a coaching program and I know that a percentage of that coaching program is going to give the gift of an education to a woman on the other side of the world, isn't that more inspiring than I'm just going to buy a coaching program and it's just for me? But if it's the same price and I know a percentage is going to be given to someone else, isn't that more inspiring? So looking Mm. at inspiring ways to offer your products and services that have a philanthropic or social impact component um, to it. So it's kind of like, you know, voice, platform, product, services. How can you use that to give back? And I have a lot of examples. I, I know we don't have the time today to get into it of how companies have done nothing, haven't changed products, services or people. They only added a philanthropic component to their branding and it increased their sales by 200%. So people notice and people care. And so you definitely want to have a social impact no matter what you're doing, not only to inspire yourself, inspire your customers, inspire the talent that you have, but also to, to be a part of solving everyday world global challenges that we're all facing. Wow. Well, I'm going to have to rethink my donation. (laughs) Well, that's music to my ears. (laughs) Well, yes, of course it would be going up, not down. Oh my goodness. Oh gosh. Oh, this was so great. Um, Rochelle, thank you so, so very much. Um, This is, a powerful message and very empowering. And um, we we will have the website, the email, and the phone number in our show notes. Uh, for those of you who were driving your car, I hope you didn't try to write this down while you're driving to work or driving home from work. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's so many things we can do. And if we just, like... Like Rochelle was saying, I mean, the cost of medicine for one child to save a child's life is $3. That's that's a Starbucks. Less than a Starbucks. So there's... <laughs> Less than a Starbucks. There's and there's there's so many more examples on their website of of how uh, the money that we're spending on things just fl- almost flippantly that we can we can maybe repurpose some of those dollars and literally change the world. Absolutely. Well said. Rochelle, thank you so very much for, for talking with us. God bless. And, um, uh, I hate to sign off, but it's time. So thank you again. And, um, I know we'll be speaking again very soon. Thank you for the opportunity and God bless you as well. Oh, thank you so much. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. I am Dawn Mathis with In-Situ LifeWorks, and this is To Your Greatness. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me on To Your Greatness. If you're inspired by what you heard and are ready to take a deeper dive into your own life's purpose, 
I'd love to offer you a complimentary life reflection session. In this session, I'll help you get clearer about what's been holding you back and how you can rediscover the greatness that lies within you. If this is something you would love, I invite you to head to my website, toyourgreatness.net, where you can take the first step in this journey. Spots are limited, so claim yours today. You are so much more than what you do for others. I believe there is a dream inside you just waiting to be fulfilled. If you agree, I invite you to take that first step and visit www.toyourgreatness.net right now. I can't wait to meet with you. My name is Dawn Mathis, and this is To Your Greatness. Remember, your greatness lies within you. See you next time. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to subscribe and keep listening. Remember to like, share, and review this podcast to help other listeners like you find their way to this heart-centered community. Thank you so much.